Welcome to CritterCast episode 55. We, we are at 55. I oh am gosh. your co-host, Karina. I'm your co-host, Cassie. And today, and today, go for it. We have a special person, special our, our, person. Guest, our guest co-host. Today, we have three hosts. Yeah. Would you like to introduce yourself, guest co-host? Hello. I am Amy. I am a grad student at UC Davis studying seabirds. Seabirds, which is so cool. So today's going to be a little bit of a different episode. First off, we know that episodes have not been coming to you guys as regularly as we usually can. And we hope that you are still looking forward to every episode and can just give us a little bit of your patience during this very trying time for everyone. Um, But we do still love making episodes for you and we plan to continue for a long time to come if just that it might take us a little bit longer to roll out the episodes but to make up for that we have just a very fun episode today where instead of Cassie and Karina doing the research we have brought in somebody who is like professionally doing the research um, about all kinds of uh, well a very specific kind of cool seabird to talk about today. I'm so excited I love, 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 love hearing from people about their research passions. And when those research passions are also animals, it's like win-win all worlds. Win-win. Yes. So we're going to talk about petrels today, right? Storm petrels. Storm petrels. Woohoo. It's Cassie and Karina and we're at it again. Sharing cool facts about our animal friends. We make stupid jokes and we laugh a lot, but we also like to learn We'll talk about snails and their tweezer teeth Or gush about our love of manatees We'll tell you why owls are so scary to us And there's tons more critters that we'll discuss We promise to make sure you'll have a blast Because you're listening to CritterCast Okay, I did a little bit of preliminary research Just because I wanted to know like a little bit more about these birds that you're super into Um They seem like mighty little beasties. They are. They are mighty. Um, They're very small. They're about the size of a robin um, or smaller. Oh my gosh. A little, a little less, a little less chonky. (laughs) And they, so these little guys, they live for 45 years, 30 to 40, 30 to 40 years out on the crashing ocean just being small being small flying things yeah being small flying around doing bird stuff um but it is it is really amazing um that they're when you look at them or or you hold them they feel very delicate Uh Um, but they're actually they're very strong and they're extremely resilient to live for so long in such a uh, sort of extreme environment. Yeah. Now they're pelagic, right? So they they live their whole lives at sea except for nesting? Yeah, exactly. So a, the sort of life of a storm petrel is they're born or they hatch um, at, their, at their natal colony in a, a lot of storm petrels nest in little burrows that either the parents dig or a little crevice um, in 
in rocks. Oh my gosh. And yeah, it's, it's delightful. That's adorable. And, um, and also mm, hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the, um, the chicks will hatch and they're brooded by their parent for a couple of days, just a couple of days, just a couple so. of days. And then, and then the parents start leaving the chick alone to go out to sea and hunt for uh, krill and things. And then they'll come back to feed the chick every three or four days. Oh so a chick may not eat for four days. Um, and, <laughs> and they actually are really good at storing fat. Wow. Um, so when they do get that meal, they really pack it on. Ah, interesting. So do they do they have yeah. like fat layers um, above their muscles or something? Is that how they store fat enough food to be able to make it through those tight days? Well, you know, I'm actually not really sure what the physiology of how they store it is. Yeah. Um, but one way that they do kind of make it through those days is that they'll go into torpor, oh. um, uh, which is um, something that some birds, hummingbirds, for example, will do that. Um, but they will go into torpor if they're particularly hungry. But once the chick is gotten um, about to an age where it's ready to fledge, the parents just leave. <laughs> they're um, like, Peace. Bye. Figure it out, kiddo. Oh, no. It's like they basically and, go from being like babies for like two, three days. And then all of a sudden they're preteens. And then all of a sudden they're adults and their parents are like, oh, well, bye. Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You turned 18. I'm kicking you out of the house. Oh, no. Or rather you can have the house if you want, but I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like some parents so, who are listening right now could probably really relate to that at this point <laughs> of quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm leaving. Bye. Yeah. You figure it out. <laughs> you figure it out. <laughs> I've fed for yes. four days. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, the, um, they, they um, then will sort of slim down and grow their grown-up feathers, and then they'll leave, and they'll go out to sea. Wow. And they'll spend, usually, the minimum is about five years, um, is when they will first breed or so. Um, we actually don't know a lot about that, um, huh. but that's kind of what... Uh, what we, we do have information for is about five years minimum. Um, and then they'll come back to land mm -hmm. only once they're old enough to breed. Wow. Um, they may not land on five years. a solid surface. For five years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they will come and check out the island before they're ready to breed. Um, but they're not going to really spend any time there. My gosh. So. They're very pelagic. That's. Very much amazing. a seabird. That's so cool. That's so a fun new word for me. Pelagic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a good one. Mm. Let's use it as many times as we can. Okay. That's vocab uh, word of the day. Okay. 
before we go too far forward, I would like to know what this word means because I didn't know. And I pretended I knew a couple minutes ago, (laughs) but I don't. And I think I'm probably not alone. This fancy word for what they do when they know they are really hungry, but they can't have food. Torpor? Is that the word? Sure. (laughs) Don't make me say it. (laughs) To me, I thought torpor was... um... It's kind of like brumation for lizards. Is that kind of right? Not, so I don't really know much about reptiles, like lizards and snakes. Um, well, reptiles other than birds, for that matter. Um, <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> and, yeah, so um, basically what they do is they slow down their heart rate very to a very low rate. They get cold. They basically shut down. Um, It's like, it's kind of like what mammals do when they're hibernating. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kind of similar to that. They're just slowing down all of their body processes to basically buy themselves some more time um, before their parents come back and and get them some food. Yeah. So which is basically also brumation in a lot of different um, reptile species, but also snails do that too. So really humans right. are the only ones. Oh, and you know what? Who else does that is hamsters specifically. Like hamsters can like full on go I almost dead on you. So if you catch your hamster curled up, cooler temperature don't don't throw them away just yet just check them because they can do that too basically humans need to get on that level because if we could all just go into like temporary hibernation until this was all over that would make my life a lot happier I would love to take a nap for three months that would be awesome yes yeah cool my gosh (laughs) I'm happy now I learned two new words today so So let's go (laughs) I guess I didn't know you mentioned hummingbirds and and I think I kind of remembered that hummingbirds could do that but I don't think I'd made the connection that birds could go into torpor or into like pseudo hibernation. So that's a really new fact to me and I think that's really interesting. Yeah. The storm petrel chicks and eggs are actually really interesting um because Storm petrels, even though they're very small, they will hunt for their prey over sometimes thousands of kilometers from where their nest is. Because like I said, these birds are very pelagic, which means that they eat organisms that are only in the very deep ocean. Um, So wherever the edge of the continental plate ends and the oceanic plate begins, there's a big ridge and Mm -hmm. we call that the continental shelf. Mm -hmm. And there a lot of really salty, really rich water comes up to the surface. Mm -hmm. And that feeds a bunch bunch of different um, organisms out there that are unique and a really good food source. And that's what a lot of what these guys are eating. So they've got to go to wherever that is. Right. And that can be uh, 2000 kilometers from their, from their nesting site. Wow. So, so, so when they like, they, they're not flying all the time, but do they just kind of like 
float on the on the what's the top of the water called? <laughs> the, the surface. surface? <laughs> My brain's a little mushy. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, float on this like when they need a break or a nap or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so they will sit on the water, um, and that's that's perfectly. Sorry, my headphones are doing something. Oh no, they're yelling oh, no. at you. Yeah, they're very angry with me. Oh no. One of them ran out of battery. Oh great. Um, yeah, isn't well, that nice? So fun. More things to edit. <laughs> yeah. Like you. <laughs> Anyways. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so because the parents have to go so far to get food, it um, means that their egg or their chick might be left alone for a while. And with two parents, if one of them, they switch off incubating. And if one of them is sitting there waiting for their partner to come home and they're sitting there and they're sitting there and they're getting hungrier and hungrier, at some point they're just gonna leave. Um, And unlike most eggs where if you leave them cold for a while, they'll die, A storm petrel egg can actually sit cold for a really long time Um, and it slows down their growth. Obviously, that egg is not going to hatch as soon as it would have, but it it can hatch. And um, I've heard of eggs um, being cold for as long as three weeks and still hatching. Yeah. Oh, my God. Still hatching. Are you sure these are not actually dragons? <laughs> I think they're space aliens. That makes sense. You know what? This is our theory for multiple, I won't say like many critters that we talk about on CritterCast, but like no, but... for multiple, right? There's some that you're mm-hmm. just like, the only explanation is that they came from outer space. Like that's Snails. Just... Actually, you know what I think of <laughs> with storm petrels is to me, they seem like fairies. Oh. They're so mysterious. They're small. They seem very wise. They have all of these amazing things that they do that we don't quite understand. So I think they're fairies. There you go. Parallel dimension critters. Something like that. Fairies. I mean, that's, that's a belief that in some way comes from all sorts of continents all over. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that it had its origins in a seabird. Right. Mm-hmm. He's showing quite, up on different continents. Quite possibly. <sighs> just like that. Mermaids Mind come blown. from manatees. Fairies come from sea petrels. Oh my gosh. It's fact. You can't dispute it. <laughs> you heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> So, so yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I have a question. Um, sorry, Karina. Not Go sorry. For it. It's fine. Okay. okay, good. Um, where do you find storm petrels? Are they in the Atlantic, in the Pacific, all over? So they're in all of the oceans. Um wow. as far as I know. They're they're very global. Wow. Um, cool. So if you think they'll they're very, they spend most of their time over the deep ocean, right? And okay. they don't like to fly over land, but they will, populations do um, go up sort of into the Arctic. Um, and there, 
when the ice is melted, you can freely basically move between the Atlantic and the Pacific right? Um, with, with no real problems. So they're spread in both the Atlantic and the Pacific. There are some, um, there are uh, petrels that are down um, in the Antarctic Ocean. There are wow. petrels um, in the Indian Ocean. There are tropical petrels. There are temperate petrels. There are <laughs> cold weather petrels and hot weather petrels and they're just all over the place um nice fancy but very adaptable they're very adaptable yes um we stand an adaptable animal (laughs) yeah they're very good um and it's it's really cool that they're able to colonize so many different habitats Um, yeah the ones that are down in antarctica are a bit bigger a little chonkier um, Makes sense, <laughs> but uh, they're um, yeah, they're all over. That's so cool. Super fun. If Super you wanted fun. to see a petrel, though, yes, where can I see a petrel? It's hard. Um, <laughs> That's the it's thing. very hard. So the thing you is, you spend some of your research is actually going out and looking for petrels, right? Um. Yeah, well, I look at the petrels. You look at the petrels, sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So if you wanted to go see a petrel, it would be really hard, honestly. Um, So just like finding a fairy is really hard. Exactly. Like finding a fairy is really hard. Do you think people fake petrel sightings? Like they've. Oh, yeah. No way. Of course. (laughs) Um, I'm sure they're is many a uh, dishonest birder out there who who just really wanted a storm petrel on their list. Um, yeah, I want to hear that podcast. I want to follow the disreputable or dishonest birder podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, like I said, they're very small and they spend uh-huh. all of their time way out over the deep ocean unless they're at their colony. Mm-hmm. So if I have been on boats a lot for, um, for my, for my research going to and from my field site, I've never seen a storm petrel at sea. Wow. Wow. They're very hard to find because they're so small, the waves and the water has to be almost dead calm. Otherwise (laughs) it could be five feet away from you and you wouldn't see it because it's on the other side of a swell. Right. Um, And like, you're going through in a big old boat making waves as you go, like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, so there's that problem. Um, there's the needle in a haystack problem where they are small in a very big ocean. They will, if you dump chum into the water, um, fish guts, basically, sometimes they'll come then. Um, but it's, that's no, no guarantee. And if you, if you want to reliably see a petrel, you have to go to their nesting sites. And those are usually um, areas where uh, they're important conservation areas and the public is not allowed. Right. Nice. Um, Understandably. Yeah. Please keep Yeah, out. definitely. <laughs> yeah. Petrels at work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> Do not disturb the fairies. They're busy. 
And then on top of that, if you are lucky enough to go to a place where they nest, they're only out and about on the darkest nights. Ooh. Yes. So (laughs) they're, they are um, most abundant on an island on a new moon um, or or on the darkest nights. Um, It needs to be very dark. Why? Um, Why, Amy? Tell me why. (laughs) Well, it interrupts their rituals if there's, if there's, uh, if there's too much light. Obviously. <laughs> no. So one one there are there are a couple of ideas why why this might be. One of them is that um, nothing much eats storm petrels except for gulls uh, um, and owls and um, yeah. basically bird predators, natural murder birds. Murder birds, yes, 100%. exactly. Yeah. We know. Yep. Yeah. Thieving so, and murder. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh gosh, tell me about it. Um, spend way too much time with gulls. They're murderous. <laughs> um, so, anyways, since those guys are visual, um, visual hunters, one of the sort of hypotheses uh, is that the birds come back um, basically to avoid um, avoid predators. Oh, another okay. another thing is that these guys feed mostly on um, plankton and small, uh, young, really young fish, little squids, little things. They're small birds. Um, mm-hmm. And on full moons and lighter nights, more creatures come up from the deep. Sure. So those, it might be that they're avoiding predators or that they're out eating. Um because those are good nights for foraging and um, maybe so not. Either way, it either comes way. down to predation. Mm-hmm. Either way, predated. it's predation. <laughs> Somebody's yeah. getting eaten. I mean, that's just nature, folks. Yep. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or be eaten. Line. That's it, Mike. <laughs> Nature's pretty brutal. <laughs> yep. As we are learning, right? Accurate. Even mm-hmm. humans are not impervious. Nope. Nope. Wow. That's so, I'm a little mind blown right now. Like I knew they were pretty cool from the little bits of research that I did, but these little birds are super funky. I dig. They're very cool. Another really cool, a really cool thing about them is that they actually can't see very well. Um, Don't they need to see well? Well, I mean, they are a sea bird. They're very ah, good at, at being on the. Bird. They're very good at being on the ocean. Um, <laughs> no, but their visual system, um, at least based on some research um, in leeches, storm petrels. I, I'm not sure if it's been published or not, um, but the their visual system is basically tuned to see a krill, a little um, like a little tiny shrimp about six inches away from their face. Um, um, so their visual system is very tuned to do that. Um, and if you see them um, on at their colony, they're kind of dopey. Like they don't really know where they're going or what they're doing. Um, <laughs> they can't see, they can't see all that well, but they, <laughs> what they are good at is smelling. 
Really? Interesting. Yes. Huh. They have amazing noses. Um, and what? I am uh, working on a project with a, with a collaborator studying how they might be using um, feather smell to advertise to mates. Um, oh. And because we know that they can identify individuals based on smell. So a chick will be able to identify um, which bird is its parent just based on the smell. They'll also be able to identify where their burrow is just based on the smell. Oh my gosh. Um, And there are individual odor signatures, um, which is very cool. They have- Like fingerprints, but for- Like a fingerprint, but stinky. (laughs) And, <laughs> and storm petrels have a very particular odor that we can smell. Ew, great. <laughs> oh, it's not gross. Oh, it's, okay. It's, it's, it actually isn't, it isn't gross. It's not like, I mean, I'm fond of it just because I associate it with these lovely little birds, but sure. um, it, it's sort of a, it's, it's kind of a musty sort of odor, mm-hmm. um, but it's so distinctive and strong that, um, you know how I said that they nest in some nest in crevices. If you walk by a crevice that they use, you can smell them. Huh. Oh. So you may not be able to see them, but you can smell them. And, wow. and we don't have great senses of smell. So exactly. yes, that must be like for them, it must be like a big old yeah. lighthouse. Like, Hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> this one's occupied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. Okay. That's cool. Can you identify different burrows by smell? Oh gosh, no. Oh, my no. nose, my my feeble human nose is not <laughs> good enough. And a lot of a lot of the um chemicals that make up the individual signature are certainly not um not abundant enough for us to us to pick them up that's fair and again a failure as humans yep humans yeah we've got like cell phones need to evolve so much more like seriously just got to evolution just got to a point with humans where they were like "Eh, good enough i guess like (laughs) (laughs) i mean to be fair we're doing pretty well for ourselves we made tools and evolution was like okay peace yeah (laughs) It was like, we're not thing. doing anything else for you guys. You're going to yep. do enough on your own. Yeah. But like, personally, I would really like a more advanced sense of smell over the ability to create tools um, or the inability to use. Do you things. not have a 12 year old boy living with you right now? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Maybe sure I don't want, want it right now. <laughs> Just in general. Yeah. <laughs> Amy, can I ask a little bit about how you got interested in storm petrels particularly? Yes, please. Oh, yeah. So I kind of fell into it. Uh Um, When I was in college, I was at a school where there wasn't anybody doing um, a lot of animal behavior research Mm because I went to a very small liberal arts college. Um, My girl. (laughs) yeah and I so I wanted to do something like that but I didn't um I didn't have anybody immediately available and I was particularly interested in birds Mm -hmm. um 
and I emailed a professor who was studying uh, storm petrels and she actually responded and was like yeah um do you want to like come in you can like we could actually use a hand like awesome come on out um and I ended up uh just falling in love with those birds they're um they're so cool and through I I ended up going back every summer (laughs) throughout college to live on an island for for two to three months and (laughs) basically just hang out with birds all day that's so cool so cool it's like the beginning of a very cool YA adventure novel yes (laughs) just gonna just gonna except for that Except for that you didn't, or maybe you did. Maybe you really did find fairies. I don't know. Like, maybe you just can't tell us. It's fine. <laughs> you could tell us. We wouldn't tell anyone. We promise. So mm-hmm. out of curiosity, a little off topic, but because we have you here as a guest host, if you'd gone to a school where there was like plentiful people researching like all kinds of different animals, would you, is there a different bird that you would have chosen to study? Hmm. That's a good question. I'm not sure. Um, I think, well, so I, like many people going into it, I had never heard of a storm petrel. Mm, They're not exactly a bird that is, you know, in a place that most people will see. Right. Um, Most people have never heard of them. When you say seabird, usually people are thinking about the gulls that show up um, Mm -hmm. at the pier or something like that. Um, Not a storm petrel. So... I, I can't really say what I would have picked. One thing that I'm, when then I might've been, I was pretty interested in parrot cognition. I could have ah. done that. Parrots are very cool. Yeah. Parrots are very cool. We have but, not done a dedicated parrot episode yet, which is Yeah, why are, what are we sleeping on here? Right? That's ridiculous. But we did talk about parrots in our happy animal stories episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, delightful. Yeah. Yep. Because they are delightful. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's really cool. So can can I ask a little bit about what your research is like and how you do your research and where you go to do your research? Because basically all I know is that um, every so often Amy has to leave for three weeks to three months-ish to go <laughs> to research that involves being on the ocean and and being at sea and going into classified places <laughs> oh. now that I'm saying that over again you really are involved with some sort of magical stuff <laughs> I mean I mean I'm I am gonna just throw out there that <laughs> I only have if a, I only have one animal tattoo and it's a storm petrel Whoa. there you um, go very important right. Um, Yeah, so (laughs) for my research, what I do is I go out um, to the Farallon Islands, which if you're not familiar with them, they're about 30 miles off the coast of San Francisco in California. Um, And we can actually see the lights of the city on a clear night um, from the island, which is a very surreal experience because this island has no permanent residence. Um, oh, wow. it, there's nobody who lives there year round. There are researchers out there year round, but um, 
they switch off. So there's nobody who permanently lives there. And there hasn't there, been anybody who permanently lived there since I, I think the seven sixties or seventies. Wow. Um, so there, there's a lighthouse. There are, um, two houses, um, that honestly it's, it's kind of strange because they look like any suburban house. They oh, were built for the lighthouse keepers. So we live in those and a boat comes out every two weeks, um, and brings food and lets people trade off, um, but that's really the only contact with the outside world. Wow. We do have internet. Wow. Um, it's it's actually pretty good internet, <laughs> strangely enough. Is it satellite internet or like how do you have internet? You know, I'm not really sure. So there's actually a webcam um, up on the lighthouse. And if you Google Farallon Islands webcam through the California Academy of Sciences, they have um, a webcam with a live feed of the island. Um, and basically in exchange for being under surveillance all the time, we get internet. <laughs> there you go. You know, I mean, we're all under surveillance all the time anyway. So yeah. My <laughs> gets out of it. So I live out there and, um, it's about, it depends on what kind of boat you take, but sometimes it takes two hours or an hour and a half. If you've got a big speed boat, or if you're on a, uh, a sailboat and there isn't a lot of wind, it can take eight or more hours to get out. So, wow. Um, and like, it's only 30 ish miles off the coast. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Sea travel is not quick friends. It is not, it is not, <laughs> not like, not like land travel. It's like the land. It, it's, it's as if the land would be moving underneath you as you're trying to go forward. Ugh. Um, so it's it's like walking the wrong way on a um, travelator, mm-hmm. people yeah. mover, whatever <laughs> yep. they're called. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so when I'm doing, I, I study uh, other birds besides storm petrels. Um, but for the storm petrels, I have to handle them and I take blood samples from them. Um, Oh, you guys look so shocked. <laughs> it just, I just, this is just fun. Like it's I just, love touching animals. That's so cool. I, I spend a lot of, I have, I have harassed so many, so many storm petrels. Um, so they, I have to take a little blood sample from them and, and give them a band so that we can identify them and know if, uh, know if we've caught the same one multiple right. times so that we're not harassing the same, the same animal. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So in order to do that, we put up what's called a mist net. Um, and it's a, basically a big rectangular thing. Um, that's very fine mesh. It's very light, very cobwebby. Um, and basically the birds fly into it. They get a little bit tangled and then we get them out and then do whatever we need to do and then release them. Um, for me, I take a, when I get a bird, I take a very small blood sample that's um, from the same vein that we get blood drawn from usually right in your elbow. Um, For them, it's a little bit uh, higher up, but um, it's, it's the the same vein, the brachial. And um, 
I use that blood to measure hormones in them. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I collect that blood and then let them, uh, let them go. And they're just fine. Do you give them cookies after you collect their blood? <laughs> like when you donate blood and you they get have to give you juice, juice, yeah. and, juice and a cookie. <laughs> I tried offering them some cookies. They weren't really into it though. They're like, why, why are you like, giving me this? Just let me out. <laughs> yeah. Let me go. I'm perfectly capable of getting fish for myself. Thanks. I don't want cookies. <laughs> wow. Okay. Have you ever been stabbed by um, a beak, an errant angry beak? Yeah. Oh, so <laughs> I've got I've got some like plenty of scars on my hands from oh my getting bit by birds. Um, but the storm petrels are um, actually quite gentle. They're Aww. they don't have uh, terribly good bite force, um, so they can't they they can't break your skin. Really, all the worst thing that they could do to you is to get their little hooked bill in your cuticle. And that hurts a little bit, but it doesn't <sighs> cuticle injuries, man. It really yeah, that sounds painful. <laughs> it never it never leaves a mark. It it doesn't really hurt. It's just kind of like, mm, stop that. Yeah. <laughs> the their main defense mechanism is actually to barf. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> like a turkey vulture? <sighs> yeah. Something like awesome. that. So they this whole family they make this super nutrient-rich oil that they feed their chicks. Mm-hmm. Um, and they carry that uh, with them. And it is readily accessible um, to regurgitate <laughs> in case Anytime they're feeding their it. chick. Or if they're displeased that they're being harassed by a well-meaning <laughs> researcher. Um, <laughs> and oh boy. they will shoot that out like a little squirt gun. Um, <laughs> gross it it is very stinky awesome (laughs) i mean it's like a lot of the more um a lot of the more gentle or more defenseless snakes will musk when they get Mm -hmm. picked up by herpers and so it's it's from a different end but (laughs) gross stinky bodily fluids is usually a very effective technique specifically for humans because we're like yes. ew <laughs> and you, just, and you let go yep. so like that works but yeah. also <laughs> gross ew yeah. I love it <laughs> well so this kind of defense is actually it's a really good defense against birds um, because if you've heard um, problems with oil spills and seabirds their feathers get oil oh right this is oil Right. Um, and it will mat the feathers and get rid of their um, their ability to keep themselves warm um, oh, and wow. uh, can hinder their ability to fly and is just just not good. <laughs> so you like actually you really should deadly, not mess like, with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty. That's fearsome. awesome. I love it. <laughs> yeah, they're very like, cool. Don't call me cute. I am cute, but also I will mess with you. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, they don't really make enough oil to do much to something like a gull or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, They're just big and will be anything. Anything. Including Karina's entire corn dog. Just 
stolen right right from my plate i have yeah that's 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 no yeah i out on the farallones there are lots of gulls oh no they're the same gulls that hang out in san francisco oh so they're tenacious oh yeah they're like we know people are here they'll barf up all kinds of things oh no um a really common one is a whole chicken breast. Um, you get a chicken breast. There's a gull that really likes in and out. Oh my God. Really likes Jack in the box. Yeah. I will say it was a San Francisco seagull that ate my whole corn dog because I was at the San Francisco zoo when it happened and they just come mm-hmm. out of nowhere and they're like, that's mine now. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. That was definitely a Farallon gull. <laughs> like, rude <laughs> no way they are they they're not afraid no um, that's awesome birds yeah. are so cool birds are very cool birds are actually dinosaurs and fascinating yep mm-hmm. i mean yep. it's a it's a known fact but something that people just dismiss that birds are more closely like as a whole birds are more closely related to dinosaurs than reptiles current reptiles are and mm-hmm. people just like cannot get that through their heads and I was like have you ever looked at a bird's leg up close right? I'm sorry have you it's or have you ever claw. like interacted with a bird <laughs> come on <laughs> all right well so I have have I got a bird for you oh no Tell us. what I need you to do is google a picture of a cormorant chick when they are very small they just they just look like little raptors like they, they okay, just, so I've seen cormorants before, but only the adults. Yeah. Um, they're babies before they have feathers. Oh, gross. They just, <laughs> they just look so, yeah. Yeah. Like, they're like I'm scaly only, and leathery and. Yep. And. Um, oh, yeah. that's awesome. If, if that's not a dinosaur, I don't know what it is. Like, oh, yeah. it, I mean, it is. It's just fully a dinosaur. Just the end. Yep. <laughs> insanity, guys. Like, literal oh. insanity. Yeah. I love um, it. Ooh, let me see. Yeah. So, uh, for those of you listening at home, I highly recommend Googling cormorant yes. chick and scroll around and look for one that doesn't have feathers and you will see. Stop what you're doing and look it up. Yeah. Stop what you're no, doing ma'am. and look at that because it's a dinosaur. No, ma'am. That's awesome. We'll have to do an episode on cormorants too. Eventually. Oh, no oh my gosh. So much. So many so much birds for sure. <laughs> for so sure. Amy, I have another question for you. Cassie, yeah. the question. I know. <laughs> um, if there are either college students or high school students, or even maybe some kids who are listening to this episode right now who are thinking, huh? Maybe I want to go and study birds. Do you have any words of advice or warning for them? Hmm. <laughs> well, if you want, so I can only really speak to seabirds because that's the only thing that I've really, um, I have a lot of experience working with. Um, one thing that you can do if you think that you might like seabirds and you don't get seasick <laughs> a lot of a lot of companies will offer birding boat trips where Ooh, they'll take you out um, way out into the ocean and you can see 
lots of cool birds. You can see, you have a cool. chance to see storm petrels. You may see them. Um, you probably can see uh, things like shearwaters, sometimes albatross. Wow. Um, lots of very cool things. So that's a really cool way to get to see some of these animals um, in the wild. If you are um, a college student or um, I'm not sure if they, so a lot of these seabird islands, you have to be 18 or older um, in order to be allowed on them. Um, so if you are, one thing that you can do is apply for internships through uh, conservation groups like uh, Project Puffin, which works um, on out in the Gulf of Maine on seabird islands. Um, and uh, the folks that I work with out on the Farallons, Point Blue Conservation Science, um, you can apply for an internship and um, get out and work there. Nice. The one thing I would caution is that <laughs> you have to be aware that you're going to be on a small island and you're stuck there. Um, you may not have internet. We don't shower very often. Um, <laughs> the Farallons is definitely one of the cushiest seabird camps I've ever been to where we mm -hmm. have a house. Um, we can take showers. We can actually take hot showers, which is amazing. Um, oh we don't do it very often every, every week or so, but um, you can take a shower. Yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah. That's, that's really the only word of caution. <laughs> that's a good, a good warning. So maybe do some camping first, make sure that you're comfortable. Being an outdoorsy person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And being isolated, I think is yes. something that a lot of people do struggle with. If this current yeah. quarantine has got you kind of losing it. Right. More than don't. like a normal, per like if you could have, you know, if you, if you handled a month of it with grace, then maybe you'll be okay after a while. But if like from the day three on you were losing your mind, then it's yeah. probably not for you. <laughs> probably not because you can't leave. Yeah, you, there's, there's, do. you literally no can't. You cannot, yep. you cannot swim Even away. if you're wearing a mask, you cannot go outside. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think just in general, it's important for, for youngins who are thinking about like any career choice, but especially wanting to work with animals, wanting to work with exotic animals and wanting to have those opportunities. You have to be aware that there's a lifestyle of kind of like being flexible and being able to go places and not being tied down to one place for any too long. Like right. you just kind of have to be, have a, a unique situation where you're able to go with the flow um, mm -hmm. the same, the same was true for, you know, people that are looking into trying to get into any kind of performance industry is that like a lot of where it's easiest to get started is not at a cushy desk job. It's not as a, you know, not on a stable TV show or anything like that. It's, it's on those, places. you know, nobody else wants to go and do it. So you get to go do the grunt work, like <laughs> on a remote Island, miles and miles away from civilization. But it's a much easier way to jump in and get started than, you know, fruitlessly just kind of cold calling or cold emailing research labs for ever. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely. You definitely do want to have some experience with the birds um, before you try to join a lab um, studying them. 
because you'll end up out there and people, you know, you, they don't want to be worried that you're going to get out to the island and hate everybody and be very difficult to live with. Right. Um, Oh yeah. You, you need to be very chill basically. Yeah. Um, Hanging out. this yeah, is not reality TV. Like it's just <laughs> Yeah. So it's not if you're a you know, someone who likes a little drama, it's not not the place. At not least place. don't don't bring it to the Farlons while Amy's there. <laughs> yeah, please don't. <laughs> um, can people volunteer in any way with, with birds on the land? Um, like are there um are, are there places that are like helping birds maybe that have been impacted by oil spills or things like that, that people can keep an eye out for, for opportunities? Yeah. So Point Blue does, um, does some work with oiled wildlife. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure exactly what the public, um, if you wanted to volunteer with them, I'm not entirely sure what, uh, what that would be. Um, but you could certainly look on their website and find out. Um, There are also, I know that there are some beach cleanup um, programs, and that absolutely helps birds. Um, Storm petrels. Through the Monterey Aquarium, right? I think so. I I think they do do that. Um, I'm sure um, there are, programs that organize those basically all around all around um so you can uh, try to look for that but storm petrels unfortunately do eat plastic um i have actually one of the one of the sad saddest things i saw was one that had used a large piece of plastic as part of its nesting material um i removed it (laughs) Yeah. But they they will eat plastic and it's it's not good for them. Um no. it can kill them. Um so cleaning up and being responsible about where your trash goes is nice. also important. Um awesome. make sure your plastics are recycled, try to cut down on it when you can. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. Yeah. All the I I it's always a little bit ironic to me, people that insist that they want to help wildlife, but they don't want to actually do the things that are most effective. They're like, well, like I want to go and work. work with them and see them. <laughs> and I'm like, great, but A, you got to start somewhere and B, cleaning up your trash and cleaning up other people's trash is one of the best ways to help all wildlife. Like, Absolutely. don't go out into nature and leave your trash. Like, <laughs> just... Yep it's it's just it gets exhausting for sure like but that's just one of the best ways that you can help in any environment is go out where there shouldn't be people trash Mm -hmm. and clean it up yeah unless those beaches are closed because of quarantine right (laughs) i mean yeah don't break quarantine also no just kidding (laughs) i mean if you're breaking quarantine to make the earth better are you (laughs) quarantine though well, if you're breaking quarantine and spreading COVID and mm. decreasing the number of humans. Exactly. Uh, this, and you know what? Therefore, Not all beaches are closed right now. 
<laughs> That's true. <laughs> Please be responsible, folks. Do listen to the guidance <laughs> of your local science experts to protect yourselves and your fellow humans because as much as we love critters here at CritterCast, people are critters too. That's right. Unfortunately. And being kind to critters means being kind to people too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. Oh, awesome. Amy, thank you so much for joining us and for talking about uh, storm petrels with this. That was like mind boggling in the best of ways. I knew nothing of storm petrels. I didn't even know what they looked like. And now I know a good amount. I feel (laughs) I would hardly call myself an expert, but I love talking (laughs) about, I love talking about species where, you know, we know some basic amount about them, but there's still so much that we don't know. And it's just fun to kind of think about and know that we we know just about as much as there is to know at this moment. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. I really like the ones where there's there's a little bit of mystery and we're still kind of finding out a lot about them and we can kind of follow along on research and advancements and knowledge. Heck yeah. So- there's a lot of mystery surrounding storm petrels still. Love it. There so- are probably a lot of species out there that we don't know about fascinating guys just like go on twitter go on instagram go on whatever and like the the tag sea petrels and just like storm petrels just follow it like just be just be aware (laughs) it'll fill up your feed i love (laughs) i love following tags on instagram because like you just never know what you're gonna get Yes. Some wild stuff on instagram tags (laughs) like but it's 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 a fascinating way to find extra cool stuff. Speaking of social media, if someone perchance wanted to follow us on social media, where Mm -hmm. might they find us, Cassie? Oh, I bet they could find us on Instagram as CritterCast Podcast. Oh, but they could. Yeah. Yep. They could also (laughs) find us on Facebook at CritterCast Mm -hmm. and on Twitter at CastCritter. And if they were just so interested that social media just like didn't even do it for them, or they wanted to find descriptions of our, of our episodes or um, Mm -hmm. research, current research or current Mm -hmm. issues we're supporting Mm -hmm. or care sheets for reptiles or even a merchandise store, they probably could find all of that and more at our website, crittercastpodcast.com. I bet they could, and they would be amazed. I do think so. I really think they would be really fascinated by what they found. (laughs) They could also listen to more episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts or on our website. Indeed. And they could even watch a few clips and videos that we've done from different reptile expos and et cetera on Mm -hmm. YouTube at CritterCast. Exactly. We're just on, we're in so many places. We're everywhere. We're infiltrating your brain. It's fine. (laughs) Do you have any um, social media or other things that you would like to promote and let people follow along with your um, fairy slash petrol seeking ways? Oh gosh. I'm afraid I don't. Um, (laughs) One of the things things that goes with the sort of personality that where you're perfectly happy (laughs) to be isolated on an island is that (laughs) you 
aren't particularly excited about social media. <laughs> hey, you know what? That's totally fine. If you guys have follow-up questions for Amy, just let us know. Hit us up. You can email us at crittercastpodcast.gmail.com or hit us up on any of those social media pages we mentioned, and we will get that question to Amy and get that answer from Amy through us to you. Whole chain. Totally. <laughs> and it does look like... um somebody has forced themselves to do some social media at point blue because they are on Instagram, um, at point blue underscore conservation science links in. Oh yeah. And see the cool research and conservation work that you're helping with Amy. Thank you so much for taking care of our world. Yay. Happy to do it. Yeah. That's going to be it from us today here at CritterCast because that's just life. And you will see episode 56 or hear episode 56. I can't promise it'll be here in, in the next two weeks, but it'll come. It'll be about something cool. Maybe we'll keep bringing on guest hosts since everyone's stuck at home anyway. It'll be so much fun. If you're interested so in coming fun. on the show, let us yeah. know. Contact us through any of those ways. Please don't knock over my whole setup. My cat is like racing by. He's like, and then crazy mode. All right. That's it for us here today on CritterCast. See you later, alligator. After a while, crocodile. This is the CritterCast podcast.